uh, the uh, state of the church, and we uh, talked about these five things we want to become, and they're actually going to inform our, our sermon series for the next three weeks. We're just simply calling it how-to, very practical approaches in these different areas, and uh, our focus this week, how to share your faith. And if you remember last week, uh, one of the components that's, that's central to us as we look to 2020 is becoming a church where each individual engages in mission. Everybody engages in mission. Well, what is mission? What really does that mean? We actually find Jesus' words in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, where he says, And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. To proclaim the good news, to proclaim Jesus Christ to all creation. Who is that? That's everyone. That's a mission. And we'd like to see every individual engage in that. If you got in here this morning, you didn't get sermon notes and you need some, we're going to just walk through this teaching. Slip up your hand, Pastor Anson. We'll bring you those along with this, this, uh, this extra sheet we supplied you this morning. I wonder the question that comes out would be this. If this is our mission, why do more Christians not regularly share their faith? Why do more Christians not share Jesus Christ and the hope of Jesus Christ with other people? few different reasons. You could come up with some. One was fear comes into it. You know, I'm, I'm just a little scared. Like, I don't even know how to get started, and I don't know right, the right words that I'd say, and uh, what if I ruin the relationship, or what if they ask me a question, and I don't have the answer to it, right? Somebody this, this week told me that fear uh, almost always involves something we perceive that's not really there. I think that's true in sharing faith when we have fear. Fear remains. I don't know that we always have a sense of urgency. Like if we're people that we believe in the reality of heaven and hell and their destinations, like, like that would actually mean that we have people in our life who might be far from God, that we would say they're not on a track to being with God in eternity, yet this doesn't seem to prompt us into a sense of urgency to need to share. Now, put heaven and hell aside for a moment. We believe and we preach regularly the life in Jesus Christ that we can have, and we just simply believe that life in Christ is the best life. And if we believe that, it would seem to send us into a sense of urgency that I have people in my life who don't know Jesus who are not experiencing the life Jesus has to offer right here on this earth. I wonder if we don't see people the way Jesus sees people. I think as Christians, we're being challenged and we're rising up to the idea that we need to be like Jesus and love people. Jesus was a lover. To love people, that's a good challenge, and we need to keep growing in that area. It's not always been the reputation of Christians, and it needs to be. But we also need to see people the way Jesus did, that they're, they're in need of a Savior, that they're lost, and we need to share Jesus with them, not necessarily in some you know, hard, you know, piercing and hellfire and brimstone type of message, but in loving relationships and friendships where we can share who Jesus is and what he can bring to their life. Finally, I think maybe we just don't know how. Like if I made you kind of like share this morning, I wonder if you'd say, yeah, I know how to I know how to share my faith. Or you'd say, like, I'm just not even sure how to get started in doing that, what that really means. So today, I want to walk you through how to share your faith, just a practical way of how you can actually share your faith with somebody else. 
The phrase actually goes this way. If a church is not on mission, it's not the church. And I think we would amen that and say, yeah, right. If a church is not on the mission of God, then we're not really the church, right? But I wonder if we would ever dare to say it this way. If a Christian is not participating in God's mission, are they really a Christian? Seems a little bolder to say it that way. A little more scary to say it that way. But the reality is God has a mission he wants every single one of us to be on, to expand his kingdom, to share Christ with others and what Christ has to bring. So I'm going to share with you just three components. Each of these components have these practical steps that you can put in. Usually I give you like a takeaway. Those are mixed right into each of these components. So let's just jump into the first one, and it's simply this. Prioritize people who are far from God. Prioritize them in your life. We're going to look at Luke chapter 15, three different stories Jesus tells. Here's the first one. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. What's Jesus teaching us in the story? The shepherd is prioritizing the lost sheep. I mean, 99 out of 100 is pretty good. Let the sheep go, right? He's prioritizing the lost sheep. And notice, the shepherd goes to the sheep. The sheep doesn't come to the shepherd. And I don't think God expects lost people to come to us. He's asking us to go. Go find lost people. Go connect with lost people. Do you remember what the Great Commission actually says? Go into all the world. There's an action put on us to move and to go. You have to think about a couple questions that we might be asked as we're standing at the gates of heaven. One question that seems like would be asked is, what did you believe about Jesus Christ? That's an important question. What did Jesus say about himself? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you would say, I believe that, believe that, that would be an important question to be able to answer. Another question, though, I think is incredibly significant would be if we were asked, who did you tell about it? Who did you go share with and tell that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Sometimes I think the first question makes sense to us and we answer it. And the second question, we think it's kind of optional, you know. It's take it or leave it in the Christian life. Some people are just wired that way, and I'm not. But I think it's a question that will be asked of all of us. What's your end game with this Christianity thing? Like in the end, like where, do you, where are you seeing this Christian thing get you? I want to tell you in the end, for me, in the end of my life, I want to go to heaven and I want to take as many people with me as possible. That's an end game. But here's the beauty is I don't have to wait till I'm dying to go to heaven I get to experience salvation in Jesus Christ, a new life in Christ, right here, right now, living out a relationship in Christ. And you know what? I want all of my friends who don't know Jesus to experience that as well. I want all of them to have that in their life. In fact, God deeply wants us to expand his kingdom here on this earth. 
A couple practical steps on how you can prioritize people that are far from God. Take a look at the sheet I gave you and look at the one side. It will have a list. The first thing you can do is make a list of those far from God in your life. Like make a list of everyone you know who doesn't know Jesus Christ. Everyone. Now, sometimes we're like, well, this person, but that, they're not really church people, so leave them off. Now, you make a list of every single person that's far from God, everyone who doesn't know Jesus Christ on your list. Now, I gave you 23 spots. Why? Well, because that's how much that page would hold you know, on there. But I also wanted you to think really long. I didn't want you to think about just those three names that come. I wanted you to sit down and have to grind through this and process every relationship the Lord has given to you. Every relationship that you would say, he's blessed me with this friendship or this relationship or this coworker or this, this other person in my kid's soccer team or on and on and on. I, wanna, I want you to grind over even the people that you would say, I do not see that as a blessed relationship. <laughs> you know, It's there and I fight and struggle through it, but they don't know Jesus. Make a list of everyone. It's a discipline, but it'll make you start prioritizing people in your life who don't know Jesus. Here's the second thing. Pray that list every single day. Every day, look at that list and pray for those people. Lord, would you today show me a way that I might be a blessing and I might serve this person? Lord, would you show me some way that I might share Jesus with them? Lord, you know what they said yesterday. I know it's a springboard to them needing you in their life. Show me the next step. Lord, would you bring healing to the hurt in their life that's been a barrier Pray for them every single day, especially that relationship that's hard for you. Because sometimes God looks at you when you say, man, it's just, that's just a really hard relationship. God says, you know, suck it up, love them through it. You're the way I'm going to reach them. Pray for them. When we pray for things, God actually works on our heart. And they just are sitting there all the time in our thinking for us to love on and pray on and serve when opportunities come up. Use that sheet. Use that list. Here's a second component. Be intentional with people far from God. Like, actually be intentional. Did you know that 80% of the triad does not go to church on a weekly basis? 80%. Now, you might find that surprising being in what we might call one of the Bible belts in our country, but 80% does not go. Yet, if we're not careful, we've become less focused on that 80% and more focused on the 20% of us that are already here. are already here. That's not mission-minded. But it's natural, right? It feels more natural to think that way. It's the easier way to think. I mean, by the, I mean I'm here, right? Shouldn't I think, you know, let's take care of who's here? The problem is it's not the mission of the kingdom to go share Jesus Christ with others. So we have to be more intentional. We have to actually push past what feels natural and the easy route and be intentional to share our faith. Take a look at this story in the second story in Luke chapter 15. It starts in verse 8. Remember, Jesus is teaching, and suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Well, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I mean, this lady is persistent. 
When she loses her coin, what does she do? She turns on a light so she can see everywhere. She sweeps up the floor, you know, not to be confused with the dust or dirt. And it says she just kept looking. We don't know. Was it an hour she looked? Was it a day? Was it a week? Was it a month? We don't know. The story doesn't tell us. What we do know this is she kept looking and searching until her mission was complete. Persistent. Intentional. Did you know that 34 of the 37 healings that we find, stories of healings with Jesus in the Gospels, were not about someone who finds Jesus? It was about either Jesus went to them or people brought them to Jesus, and they were healed. That's powerful, helping people see Jesus. Being intentional to say, you have a void, a need in your life, and I know this person who's the answer. I'm taking you to him. Intentionality. Here's some practical steps. How can we be intentional? First, listen to their story. People are always sharing their story, right? They're always telling you about their life and what's going on. And are you listening? Are you hearing them? They're probably telling you about the crisis, the change in their life, the uncertainty, the moments of anxiety. They're sharing you. That time when they're rambling on and it sounds like they're just whining and complaining and you're kind of like, oh, brother. They're telling you their story. They're telling you what's happening in their life. Sometimes it's masked over the deeper hurt or the deeper circumstance, but that story nonetheless is being told. Are you listening? Are you hearing it? Know your story. Share it. Share your story. You say, well, I don't, what, I don't have a story. Yeah, you do. Take, flip that piece of paper over that I gave you. You've already made the list, right? The backside tells you how to share your story. What's the first component of your story? Your story is, who were you before you came to know Jesus? Like, what was life like for you? Was, it, was there addiction? Was there brokenness? What was the idol in your life? Was it lonely? What, what was life like? Like, how did you come to know Jesus would be the second section. They just say, how did you come to know? Friday night, our staff sat around for three hours, and the first component was we all shared our testimony. We all just shared how we came to know Jesus Christ. You know, and they were vastly different stories. Pastor Anson shared some fun about his life of mischief and up and down and those type of things. But then Sandra shared this beautiful story of a family that raised him in church, heard in church, and she came, became a Christian at a very young age. Equally beautiful stories of coming to know Jesus Christ. What's your story? How did you come to know Jesus? And then finally, what was life like after that? Like, how did life change? Now, we get a little scared sometimes, because sometimes we're like, man, life changed radically. You know, I was at youth camp, and I said that prayer, and that next week, Man, I was on fire. Look out. I was leading you to Christ. If you walk down the sidewalk next to me, you know. And then after a week, you're like, man, I got away from that for years. And then came back. And you think, I don't have a story to tell. Yeah, you do. You have a story of redemption. And then you have a story of saying again, look, I kind of turned to my own ways. And then you have a story of Jesus and God receiving you back and loving you back and never giving up on you. Write that story. Know your story. Because the time's going to come where your story is going to be powerful for somebody to hear. And get in the habit of sharing it. 
Share God's plan of salvation. Now, if this morning I made you stand, right, and uh, you got over your, your stage fright, if you have that. Some of you don't. But if you did, you're like, I don't like talking in public. But if you got over that, and then I said, share with me God's plan of salvation with some Bible verses attached to it, you know, like, how would you do? Is that like major anxiety? It would be like, don't even you dare call on me, even in joking this morning. You know? Or would you be like, yeah, yeah, I've got an understanding, As a believer, it's so important that you know God's plan of salvation and how God's word teaches that. Can I just for like three or four minutes just blitz you through something we would probably sit down for an hour and walk through when we're opening God's word and looking through it. So you have this basic understanding of God's plan of salvation and how you can share it. Now, there's lots of different models and graphs and charts. And if you've been in church along, you you probably had little pamphlets and all kinds of different things. Let me just share you what I have on the board here. You have circles on your paper, too. You can fill these things in if you'd like to follow along. This first circle just represents God's design. It's his design or his relationship that he wanted to have. This this beautiful connection with me created us to be in relationship. We find in Genesis the walking and talking in the garden, which I don't know. You might just say, walking and talking, you know, but I mean, this is with the creator God. That was his design. But there was a break in that design. It was when sin came into the world, when our kind of our rejection of God and our saying, my way is more significant or makes more sense to me than God's way, and it was moving away. And we call that sin, and it brought this brokenness, which just circles kind of brokenness, that line as jagged edges and ups and downs in life and all that kind of stuff came into my life. And I don't know for you, Maybe the brokenness is like, you know, addiction, or maybe it's in, you know, unhealthy relationships, and, you know, but on and on and on, the way this brokenness of sin manifests itself in your life, and you're like, that's just kind of how I live day in and day out now, and this brokenness and these different things, and God said, like, I so love my people, I want to restore that, I want to bring them back into right relationship, and we find that he sent his son to earth, I mean, think about that. God himself in human form came down to earth to be as vulnerable as we are in human bodies. He came to be with us. But more than that, he came to die on the cross. Now, they would have understood what that meant. The sacrifice, they had the understanding of the Old Testament, the sacrifice of the lamb, the shedding of blood, the symbolism when that lamb was sacrificed to bring wholeness back to the community. That's what Jesus is doing for us, to forgive you of your sins, to bring wholeness back to you. But he didn't stay in that grave. He rose from the dead. Show me another religious figure that did that. He rose from the dead, and that's why we say he's alive, and that's why we say he has overcome death, because he rose. And what he says, and we find this in in, in the beginning of the book of Mark, he actually says, look, the time has come. It's been fulfilled, and Jesus says, repent and believe. And that's how we get here. This word repent and believe. Now, if I stepped off this for just a second, I used to shy away from the word repent. I was a little scared of it. I thought that was for camp meeting preachers who yelled a lot, right? And so I was nervous about what that. But when I study God's word and learn more and more the words that are are used, this is the most beautiful word, repent, because you know what it means is I'm going this way, away from God, wherever I'm looking at, whatever has captivated me, I'm saying, that doesn't bring the fulfillment that I thought it was. And I turn 
and I look to Christ. So we repent, and then we believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would what? Believe in him. The understanding of that, whoever would follow him, or whoever, to understand that, would make him king of their life, lord of their life. That's believing in him. You are Lord, you're king, I'm following you. That's salvation. When we come to this point where we repent and believe, we make him Lord, salvation comes. It's beautiful. But here's what else comes is God actually says, I want to bring restoration to you too. So he actually in this restores us to this right relationship with God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way, you are a new creation. You're restored, brought back to this right relationship with God. And then, here's a wonderful thing, then he turns to us and says, you've experienced this. You've experienced what it's like to be away from God. You've experienced salvation in God. You've experienced what restoration is like. Now, go. Go share that with someone else. Go share that with who's in your life. Listen, in three or four minutes there, this would be a basic understanding of God's plan of salvation. This would be important for you to know that you could share this with people as questions come up and as opportunities arise. The last practical point, how to be intentional. Invite someone along to church every week, or excuse me, every month. A family member, a friend, you can do it every week, but invite a family or a friend every month to church. Make it like, for you, like priority. Like my lifestyle is I will be inviting someone to come along with me to church regularly. Who in your life is going through change or crisis right now? Like who in your life, like they would say yes if you would just invite them, large segment of people, invite them along. To come Now, you've got lots of hours outside the church to share your faith, to share God's plan of salvation, to share your story. Do that. But then bring them to be a part of a community that can love them and serve them and then let them join in and be discipled and learn about Jesus more. One final word on this. Listen, if they're plugged in to a church, your neighbor, your coworker, let them be. We're not, our, our, our mission is not to transfer people from one church to another. It happens, right? But that's not what we're out seeking. Let them be. There are so many people out there that are looking to plug into a church. There's so many people out there who don't know Jesus that you can introduce them to Jesus. So invite them every month. Here's the last component. Be patient with people who are far from God. Patient. Do you remember the story? The son went to his father and he said, look, dad, give me my inheritance. I want it now. I know the rules. I wait till you're dead, but I want it now. For whatever reason, the father complies. He gives the son his inheritance. The son goes out and has a real good time for a period of time. And then uh, the party stopped. The money dried up. You know, the good times stopped. And uh, he became broke, uh, homeless real fast. became a servant, uh, then an unpaid servant, and then a pig slop uh, eating person. I mean, that's just, that was his progression of how he squandered his money that was given to him. And so, of course, in that position, it dawned on him, the servants of my father's house have it better than I do, so I'll just go back, and I can't be the son anymore, but I guess I'll go back and I'll be a servant, and at least I'll get paid, and I'll get some room and board, right? So this is what we read. 
the last story in Luke chapter 15. So he got up and went to the father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and earth. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Listen, the son came to his senses, right? How? How did he come to his senses? It was God speaking to his heart in the midst of his circumstances. Listen, do you believe God does that today? Speaks to people's heart in the, in the midst of his circumstance? Absolutely. God is speaking to people. But then when he ran home and said, I've sinned against heaven and earth, the father could have said, and he would have been right, you're darn right you did, you know? And here's what's going to happen. But instead, the father said, uh-uh, I don't want to hear any of that. You're home, we're going to party. That's really exactly what he said. Look at it. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. How long did the father wait? We don't know. You know, we read the story, but was it days, months, years? We don't exactly know. We know this father had probably built into his son, probably raised him and taught him the things that he was supposed to learn, and yet he turned away from that. But the attitude of the father, evidenced by his response, said that he was waiting patiently for that celebration to happen. Why? Because as he described it, look, my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and now is found. Can you understand the celebration and joy in God's kingdom when that happens? It shows up in all three stories. I just ask you, like, don't you want to be a part of that with someone in your life? Like the joy and the celebration of saying they were spiritually dead and they now are spiritually alive. You know, they were lost and now they're found. That God used you and your loving relationship and friendship with them to open up a door to share with them about Jesus and the hope of Jesus, that you can be part of that celebration of them coming to know Jesus. That's something I want every single one of you to experience. In fact, I'm praying that every single one of you would experience this year, this calendar year. It's why we're teaching a sermon just like this, to send us out to share our faith. So a couple practical steps this morning. The first one is this. Look for the door. It means always look for the opportunity that you can share your faith. Sometimes the door is just a little open. Sometimes it looks a little like a window and, you know, or vent. I don't know. Sometimes it's really small. But I believe God gives you just the right amount to say or do that just fits that shape. No more, no less got to open up the doors and look for them, but respect the door. Like, you got to know when the door's shut, and don't shove that thing open. Love them. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen during this period of time when you're waiting, right? When you're waiting for the door to open. Well, I shared with you last week about one of my friends, right? We actually had that lunch. We had it on Friday, and I'm sitting there, and we're, we're having a good time interacting, and I'm thinking, man, I would so love to see this guy come to know Jesus. I mean, just the way God has wired him, the impact he could have for the kingdom, I was just like, man, this is so amazing. But that's not where he's at. What do I get in the time being? 
I get this great friendship and relationship, and even partner who goes out and serves with me in, in things. Like, I get that in the meantime while I'm praying for him and while I'm looking for the open door. And you can do the same. Look for the door, but respect the door. And the final thing, you got that list, right? Pray for that list every day. Pray for these people every single day. Pray for opportunities that you can love them, that you can serve them, that you can deepen your relationship with them. You can make right your relationship with them if it's not right. Pray every day for that list. So here's what I'm going to do. I want to pray right now. And I want to pray specifically for this, that as a church, we would embrace this idea that we're going to be a church where every individual engages in the mission. And then maybe this week, the Lord helps you put some of this into practice. Maybe this week, you just need to learn some of this stuff. But I want to pray for you in this way. So would you bow? Father, I thank you that your word is, is clear on this mission. But Father, I, I am so grateful and humbled that you would choose us to be a part of it. As a great God, the all-powerful God, you probably could conjure up a lot of ways that would be more effective than me going to talk to somebody. But you've chosen us. You believe in us in this area when we don't even believe in ourselves. So, Father, first, would you fill our hearts with this love? Would you fill us our hearts with this desire to see anyone far from you around us come to know you and embrace you as their Lord and Savior? For anyone around us to come and to have fullness of life in you as we've experienced. Father, would you bring that? Would you fill our hearts with that? Would our hearts even break for those friends that are far from you? And then, Lord, would you build us up and teach us how to do this? Lord, this is just kind of level one stuff that we talked about this morning. But would you help us to put this into action? Then would you help grow us in a deeper and deeper way of how to do this and how to share our faith? That we'd, at one point, we'd walk away, and before we'd even notice it, we're like, wow, it's, sharing my faith has kind of become a lifestyle of who I am in Christ. Lord, we pray for many people to come to know you that your Holy Spirit, who's already at work in many people's lives, would tip us off to where to go and what to say. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen.